Kia ora, I'm Johnny Blades. You're with The House. Te Reo Māori is one of this country's official languages, but until relatively recently, you'd have been hard-pressed to notice that reflected in Parliament. These days, use of the Indigenous language is more common, and so too the acknowledgement of Māori customs and protocols, Te Ao Māori. The team that facilitates and supports this use, including interpretation and translation, is Parliament's Māori Language Service. And the man who heads this five-person unit is Maika Tiamo. I sat down with Micah to talk about the use of Te Reo at Parliament and to hear about the work his team does. Kia ora. I still see my main role as supporting the House with Māori Language Services, primarily simultaneous interpretation. They're all sittings of the House itself and also sittings of the Māori Affairs Select Committee um, at every sitting, um, but also any other select committee that requests uh, simultaneous interpretation. But I think it's also translation. And they can be anything from uh, communications through the parliamentary engagement team that go out on the website or on, or on the social media channels or um, various articles that they might be publishing on the website. Uh, a heavy part of our load comes from uh, the Māori Affairs Select Committee. All of their reports are bilingual, so uh, we... Uh, translate all of those as well. Occasionally write the odd report too if um, the select committee services are really busy, but mostly these days just translation. I still kind of see that as the core part of the role, but also our unit changed the name from Ngā Ratonga Reo Māori, so Māori Language Services, to Ngā Ratonga Ao Māori, which opens up the scope to not just the reo, but tikanga and all sorts of other things important to Māori people, I suppose, is the way to put that. I guess you're talking about consulting almost, about tikanga or whatnot. It's more than just the language services that you're providing, your unit. Yeah, that's right. One thing that we noticed a couple of years ago is that um, not only was there an increasing demand in-house here for translation services, but there was a lot more interest in advice to do with the language or to do with tikanga uh, example could be how to go about a koha how what what is it what what is um what does it represent how do you compile a koha if that is the right word and how do you offer it and all of that kind of thing i suppose you could call it consultation we're asked um for advice on a lot of things very often <laughs> um a few a day or several a week kind of thing from all different parts of the parliamentary service and the office of the clerk. Uh, and they could be uh, reo-related, marae-related, tikanga-related, etc., etc. So that, that's kind of an important part of the job. What it has also kind of shown us is that there are various resources and perhaps even policies that needed to that need to be uh, further developed to help support our people uh, and help them make better decisions the various different contexts that we find ourselves in make um, be more confident that we're conducting ourselves in appropriate ways tell me about the level of the use of te reo in parliament both in the chamber and select committees mm. where is it at these days has it increased since recent parliaments? It's really interesting, actually. Um, and We're currently in the 53rd parliament, and I won't have the statistics available to me until the end of this parliament, so around September, October. But an example could be, say, back in the 51st, across um, the three-year term, parliamentary term, there were around about 20 hours of Māori spoken in the chamber uh, by MPs. 
uh, in the 52nd, the total was about 10 hours. Um, we think that the, the main difference there was in the 52nd, the Māori Party went in the House. Of course, the Māori Party is back, um, but there are only two members in the party. One of them is a very eloquent Māori speaker, and sometimes he doesn't... I, I sometimes wonder if he is aware of which language he's speaking because he's so fluent in both that he's quite naturally able to... Um, Go in and out seamlessly. Yeah, seamlessly, absolutely seamlessly. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what the statistics are like for this uh, parliament. I suspect that they might be a little higher um, than in the 52nd. It seems to me anecdotally that there's been a bit more Māori spoken, not just by the Māori party but other members as well. Um, I do remember a time at the very beginning, or near the very beginning of the 53rd parliament, uh, during question time, um, where one of the ministers, he none of the questions posed to him were in Māori. He just must have decided that today I think I'll speak Māori and all, um, almost every response uh, that he gave was in Māori as well, um, which, that, which is kind of uncommon in the 51st, from my memory at least. Yeah, um, so that that's kind of the chamber. Uh, in Māori affairs, there's always a lot of Māori being spoken, um, understandably. I have noticed that in uh, things like annual reviews where government agencies come in to the appropriate select uh, committee and give a report on how the year has gone, all the ones that I have heard, they at, at the very least gave an introduction in Māori and maybe a few closing statements in Māori. So um, in other... In, other select committees, it appears to be some Māori being spoken as well. Um, what I will say, though, is that there appears to be quite a lot of passion for Māori language amongst several members of Parliament themselves, not just the Māori Party and not just the Māori members, but if you take a look at uh, some of the on-demand video of swearing in, for example, at the start of the Parliament, a lot of members chose to take the either the oath or affirmation in Māori. And many of them were not Māori, uh, for example. And then there's a lot of interest and a lot of passion shown by um, staff of you know, Parliamentary Service and Officer of the Clerk too. Um, huge uptake for things like the Māori language offerings that the Learning and Development team make available. It used to be that an interpreter stood in the chamber ready for that rare time when a member chose to speak to reo. It was done sequentially. The MP would talk for a while and stop, and the interpreter would interpret that. Then the member would speak again for a while and so forth. Sometime this century, simultaneous interpretation began. Um, and so they put into place a interpretation suite with a with a kind of semi soundproof booth where the interpretation actually takes place. And then um, at each member of parliament seat in the chamber, there's a an earpiece that they can just kind of put over the ear uh, when if they want to hear the interpretation. Um, so that makes it really easy for them. Uh, and then when the debating chamber proceedings are being broadcast, the, you know, the public are able to select another channel to be able to hear the interpretation that's happening if they choose to. I'm, I'm told my mum occasionally listens to that. <laughs> <laughs> Government MP Kiritapu Allen there speaking on the Matariki holiday bill. 
She's one of a number of members of the current parliament fluent in te reo. The second they start speaking, Micah and his colleagues have to simultaneously interpret it in English for those listening live. That must be hard. Um, it's at the time, it's real time. Waititi yeah. is, is being <laughs> eloquent, giving a, a passionate speech, yeah. and you've, you've got to pump it out, I guess, as quickly as you can while doing your best to give a good representation of what he meant. Mm. Yeah, that's in, right. In this Germanic language called English. <laughs> that's right. it, nothing can ever be quite perfect, I suppose. Well, perfection is always the goal, um, <laughs> and um, and I mean, is it difficult? I love the challenge. That's part of what draws me to this. Um, but everything, when you start off, can feel like it's difficult, and then when you, as you, you kind of compile your own experience and expertise and something, it it it, it starts to feel less uh, difficult and more of you, you develop more of a natural kind of flow. You're right, you picked the right guy though. Rawiri Waititi is, um, the, the challenge with, with Rawiri a lot of the time is trying to figure out a way, because, you know, he do, he speaks relatively quickly in both English and Māori, so one challenge is keeping up. But the hardest challenge in my experience so far has been being able to interpret uh, a particular historical reference or metaphor in a way that can both one conveys what he's trying to say. It conveys to a certain level, at least, the history of the context. Because if you just translate the words, they they may mean nothing. And also do it in a way that every member in the chamber will grasp what he means. But then doing all of that while keeping up uh, with his um, speech. So that's the that's the trick. Mike Tiamo recently gave the keynote speech at a conference of the Australasian and Pacific Hansard Editors Association, hosted here at the New Zealand Parliament. His speech made an impression on other delegates like Papa Terai William, the sub-editor of debates in the Cook Islands. One statement I enjoyed when Micah was talking earlier, uh, there was a quote that came up on the screen, that says that the language is no more, the Māori people are no more. Now, I can actually rephrase that for our Cook Island people, is that if the language is no more, the Cook Island people, Māori, are no more. Language revitalisation has become a major concern in other countries in the South Pacific. Nowadays, people are just speaking English, and not many people are speaking our language which is the Cook Island Māori. We're talking about a language that will fade in the future, and that is one thing that we're wanting to retain, to make sure that it is maintained properly, that it is taught properly, because language revitalization, I believe, is important uh, going forward for our Hansard department. And with Parliament of Tonga, um, I must take my hat off for how your Hansard reporter always written in, in the Tongan language, keeping that language up for the future generations. Papaterai William mentioned Tonga with some envy there because, like in Samoa, Tonga's parliament proceedings are captured in the indigenous language. Tonga's Hansard editor is Susana Heti Louis. Our, our language is the official language that, that is used in parliament. This is compared to, uh, to the government. In, use English as the official uh, language used in the workplace. 
Parliament uh, felt the need to preserve and uh, revive our Tongan language. It is one of the Polynesian languages spoken mainly by Tongans in the kingdom. More than 100,000 people in Tonga and also spoken by Tongans living overseas. I was fascinated to hear from some of the, the people who were at that conference. There was a couple that stand out, actually, and Cook Islands was one of them. Uh, fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Looking forward, do you see things changing much in the, what your unit is doing? There is uh, an enormous hunger amongst our colleagues for the language and everything associated with the language, you know, tikanga and um, traditional practices, traditional perspectives, metaphors, that kind of thing. Uh, and that is very encouraging. Um, we're a small team, so we will continue to do our best to um, support you know our colleagues with you know various different learning opportunities or various kind of informal settings that where people can just bring whatever reo they've got and speak that. Not necessarily formal learning, but you know just kind of using the reo that you've got, things like that. We do things like tikanga webinar where we discuss a particular topic and tikanga associated with that. And recordings of those webinars are available on the parliament intranet, things like that. What I also hear a lot from members is that they would like to uh, increase uh, their knowledge and fluency in the language. And it's very difficult to find ways of doing that that fit with their kind of schedules, which are absolutely hectic, of course. One thing that I'd love to see is members in particular being more comfortable with using their reo, particularly in the chamber, but also, you know, in, in the cafe or in the cafeteria or just when you're breezing through the halls. In saying that, I'm, I'm yet to hear, I mean, Penny Henare, for example, has never spoken, the only English word that he's spoken to me, uh, that he said to me is bro, everything else has been in Māori so far, so, you know, some of them it's just, you know, that's how they were raised, so that's what they do, but others um, also have quite, uh, quite solid drill, um, but uh, don't always, don't often use it. Uh, and so, would would and which is why we're here, so that they feel more comfortable too. So I'd love to see more of that. The only other thing really is that I wish we like our team of five was a team of fifty, so that we could offer to our colleagues everything that they're asking for, as opposed to having to prioritise. That was Micah Tiamo, who heads Parliament's Māori Language Service Unit. You've been listening to the House Ite Fokorongo Kweki Te Fari a program made with funding from Parliament. Kia pai tōra.